0: Life Audio.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to the Happy Rant Podcast. I want to tell you about our partner, Visual Theology. If you go to visualtheology.church, you can check out the full slate of resources that they offer. Visual Theology is one of the best biblical and theological resourcing sites on the internet. There's digital resources, there's print resources, and as you can tell by the name, they are visually inclined. So the, the idea is beautiful well-imagined design to help us understand the Bible and theological concepts better. Taking difficult passages of Scripture, big theological concepts, and putting them into a visual form, whether that's in a book or on a poster or on a t-shirt, that allows us to better grasp what those mean, along with some really clear written biblical teaching. So, if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you're in ministry, especially youth ministry, college ministry, if you're a small group leader, or if you just want to understand the Bible and theology better, visit visualtheology.church and use the code HAPPYRANT at checkout for a 20% discount. You will be astounded at the quality of the design as well as the clarity of the teaching. It is an an incredibly helpful collection of resources. So again, visualtheology.church and use the code HAPPYRANT at checkout for a 20% discount. I also want to let you know that we have a Patreon site. For those of you who aren't familiar, Patreon is a site that allows listeners like you to support content creators like us financially. We joke a lot about uh, being big business mavens and how much money we make on this podcast. The answer is uh, we actually don't make very much money on this podcast at all. So the financial support that many of you already give and that we would love more of you to give is really helpful for covering our production costs, for doing spinoff things like our sports show, for doing live events, all of which have a cost attached that would otherwise come out of our pockets. So if you go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Happy Rent Podcast, you can check out our site. What you'll find there is a chance to give any amount monthly, could be a dollar, could be a thousand dollars, at different tiers. We will send you free signed books. And then here's the kicker. We do bonus podcast episodes exclusively for our Patreon supporters. We try to do them weekly. It probably comes out to be more like 35, 40 times a year. We've done over 50 of these since we opened our Patreon account. So you have all of that backlog. These are exclusive. We don't release these in the normal feed, except occasionally exclusive for our Patreon supporters. So again, go to patreon.com slash podcast, and we would love it if you were able and willing to support us for any amount monthly. Lastly, I want to highlight our sports podcast. Ted and I do a sports podcast. It used to be part of this feed. And for some of you, it was a highlight. For others of you, you were like, skip that mess. Well, it is its own thing now. So you're welcome to those of you who don't like sports. For those of you who do, go to wherever you get podcasts and search Happy Rant Sports. Please subscribe to it. Share it with friends. You'll be familiar with it. We're not analysts, we're not reporters, but we do some analysis. It's a lot of fan interaction. It's what we love about sports. It's how sports interact with life. We talk a lot, of, uh, a lot of nostalgic sports, what we used to love, how we played growing up, how we became fans, those kinds of things. We'd love it if you listened. It's a really good time. Just go search for Happy Rant Sports wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening.
2: Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Baby, you're back from the retreat. How was the retreat,
0: baby? It good was good. Retreat? It was good. Yeah, ah, it was great. Uh, yeah, it was good times. Uh, yeah. So me, and B- so me and Big M, we uh, we this is our second year where we like did the whole thing. You know, we like mm. put it, put it all together. So there's. Mm. It's a little less retreaty, I would say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're responsible for the program and how it all runs. So we're we're kind of we're kind of working it these days. Okay. so um, okay. so we got to do the retreat for the retreat. Now. Yes, that's have,
2: right. So you got another retreat coming, in. we
0: coming have in an- we have another retreat to retreat from the retreat that we just retreated on. Correct. Wonderful. That's yeah. good.
1: Ron Edwards. Like Spurgeon always said. I have a question that we maybe maybe this maybe we can get to this later. Maybe this is a whole show topic. But Ted and I were wondering last episode. We we usually talk about you when you're not on the show. As I'm sure you're. Yeah, I've I've gotten
0: that. I got that from a great many people from the retreat, as a matter of fact.
1: Yeah. So so, I mean that that's pretty typical. But the question is, what are you retreating from? Like when in the rest of the in the rest of life, when one is retreating, it's like a you're backing away from something, you're departing, you're on the run, you're fleeing, you know, there's a strategic retreat there, you know, to kind of gain a better position in military terms. What, what are you retreating from in all of this?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think pastor, you get this pipe. I mean, I think pastors are just retreating from, it's getting themselves for a week out of just the day-to-day kind of pressures and mental strain that comes with ministry and kind of putting them in a new environment with people that understand what it's like to do what they do and face kind of the the pressures that they face that are unique to the job so that's what they're retreating from
2: gotcha pipe let's take a quick retreat as a group and then we'll come back and tackle these topics (laughs) okay we're back that was a really great retreat i feel really refreshed um hopefully you enjoyed your Male enhancement clinic ads yeah your, sp- your ads sp- sports book ads in Spanish, yeah, exactly mormon radio propaganda I don't know what you're getting on your end, but uh it's been a it's been an adventure with these ads, but pipe, I want to talk about one more thing kind of ad wise that we're involved in, and it's happy rant sports uh we are taking the happy rant sports franchise to another level in that we have our own deal with life audio uh although it's on a separate stream now, so if you've been a Uh, A consumer of Happy Rant Sports all these years, if you enjoyed the program, uh, look it up wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate, review, five stars only, and uh, you can keep enjoying the goodness that we serve up at Happy Rant Sports. But I want to talk, boys, about something that I view as the opposite of goodness, and it seems like other Christians maybe are viewing it that way now, too, and it's Twitter, Twitter. Uh, per your text this morning, pipe, uh, Christians are getting off Twitter and Ray Ortland, um, my dad, I sometimes go by Ted Ortland. He's not my dad. Uh, that was a joke we did at the live show that <laughs> was funny then, but apparently it's not funny now. Um although Ted Ortland because the like...
1: way the way you said it, I thought you were saying that your dad is also getting off Twitter, and I was like, I had no idea that <laughs> that the true and better my dad was never Ted on Twitter. Cluck was on Twitter. I wish I'd been following him all no, years. no,
2: that's a thing that he would never do um but Ray Ortland Ted Ortland does sound like Ted Ortland would be the like the uninteresting ninth sibling, the one without the deep spiritual insights, you know. Um the the and, Cooper it, the Cooper coming. Manning of the family. <laughs> exactly. The brothers would be like, Yeah, he's really funny, you know? And people are like, Does he have deep spiritual insights? Nah, not so much, Ted Ortland. But uh <laughs> Ray Ortland, who does have deep spiritual insights, uh shared one of those insights, which is that he is getting off Twitter, and this apparently came after another blog post where he had shared that he's no longer getting notifications on his phone. Um The sharing of said information and the sort of like parsing of, well, I'm still on, but I'm not doing the notifications on the phone thing. This seems like the most 2022 thing ever. So you guys are still on it. I want to hear you talk a bit about why you're still on it, but also why some people are getting off of it. Um, Ronald, address those two questions and then we'll hear from Pipe.
0: You know, man, so for me, I, I don't, I don't have a big emotional draw to, Mm -hmm. to Twitter, you know? So for me, I, I, uh, it's, it can be enjoyable for me because Mm -hmm. I don't, I have a no argument policy and, Mm -hmm. um, I, I gain news and information from it. And then I tweet stuff that I want to, and then, you know like you know the last couple of weeks i'm you know i'm not really on it that much i'm not really engaging with it so i don't have a super emotional draw to it which means that even like the the horrible things that people say and do on it it just kind of it passes through me because i don't really engage with it and i don't Mm -hmm. my expectation isn't that it shouldn't be that or that you know i'm shocked when i see those kinds of things and so i think i can just approach it as something i can take or leave i enjoy it at times I get news and information. I get to find out what people are thinking and reading, and um, and and doing on it. And I I don't know. It just it is not it is not one of the drivers of my life. So therefore, I can stay sort of invested, but not so emotionally invested in it. If that makes sense. So I don't yeah,
2: know. I mean it, it. It definitely makes sense to use it in a way that you're not emotionally invested. And in fact, I would I would think that would be the only way to use it um, and stay sort of sane as a person. Um, Pipe, your thoughts on either of those two questions or both of them. Why are people leaving and why are you staying? Yeah, I I totally get why people are leaving in terms of,
1: I mean, it seems like the sort of constant refrain, It especially among, you know i can say thoughtful christians is like twitter is a cesspool it's so it's divisive it's combative it's it's mean it's nasty all the anonymity allows for kind of cowardly attacks and all of that is true in its in a sense but it's not the entirety of it so i think what ronnie said is spot on in terms of the emotional investment piece. There are some people who, when they see the hateful stuff on Twitter, like it, it either draws them into a fight and it gets them emotionally that way, or it hurts them. Like it's, it's like an arrow to the heart. And uh, if that's the case, you probably should get off Twitter because you are, Mm. you're, you're being kind of emotionally damaged in your, your everyday life by a thing that is completely voluntary. So I get why people are getting off. I mean, and you know, I I just pulled up Ray's blog about why he's leaving. And he basically uses a handful of Bible verses to be like, This is what this is what the Bible says about being contentious and being foolish and being unwise. This is what Twitter isn't. Mm -hmm. So it's it's affecting Mm -hmm. me negatively. I'm gonna step you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go away from it. And this isn't like the hey guys, I'm taking a a, you know, a Twitter sabbatical. Taking a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's I think this is a man who's what, 74, 75 years old going, I have, you know, I don't know how many years left and I'm not wasting it on Twitter being sucked into like navigating all yeah. of these emotional and spiritual upheavals. So that, that, you know, that sounds like wisdom to me.
2: Yeah. Good for him. 74. I don't want to be, I don't want to be doing that. I also think though,
0: too, if I, if I can cut in pipe, cause I, I really, I, I agree with, you know, people have you know people have autonomy with this right they can choose to get off or on and that's just a personal decision so i'm i'm totally with ray i i would also say that twitter's worse off now because he's not in it now if he has yes. to do it because it's damaging his spiritual health he has to do that for sure but i also think he was one of those bright lights you know in a in a dark place you know in the in the darker places of twitter and so i'm just bummed that he's a guy cuz i really enjoyed reading his tweets so i'm i'm bummed that he's not going to be on it just for that sake, while agreeing that he should get off it if it's affecting him, for sure.
1: Yeah, that I think that's I think that's a that's a really when people like Ray leave Twitter, it it gets more and it it exacerbates the thing that made them leave in the first place because they were a counterbalancing like they're they're hopeful they're biblical they're not waiting into you know stupid petty and political fights and all this stuff like y- if you follow ray you're you're just sort of getting doses of encouragement or you were up until may 9th yeah, when he, when he for left for sure and uh <laughs> and with his departure there's now less good to 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 kind of curate into your feed yeah. uh instead of all the all the dumb
2: yeah i mean at what point and I, i'm trying to think of a comp for this, like a comparison. At what point do we just call it a product that sucks? You know what I mean? Like there <laughs> there's this sense that so many people are using Twitter. It must be good. You know, and and I, I guess maybe the comp for me would be pipe like like talk shows on ESPN. You know what I mean? So when I don't know Around the Horn came out or some other ESPN talk show, you know, circa twelve or fifteen years ago, there was a sense that at the time, ESPN is still good, so maybe this show is good. But then you watch a couple apps, and you're like, yeah, this sucks," you know. And then you never watch it again. At, at what point, like, maybe this is just a bad product. Maybe it sucks. Um, I, I and and maybe Christians are finally <laughs> figuring out that this thing sucks, and maybe the rest of the world will figure it out. This may be the first thing that we get to figure out first. As Christians, usually we're a little slow in the uptake but um well, I, I don't know can we I just call think, it a bad product
0: i think I, you still have i think the difference is you have personal like it's it's a personal investment right so like we yeah. use it for like like we use it to advertise our show we use it to advertise some oh. of the things that we do so yeah. like as a as a tool um you know it, it's a give and take, you know, um, and we have control over what we post and what we decide yeah. to view. That's different. I would say it's different than like how you're describing like that ESPN show, right? Because yeah. they have control of the content and therefore that dictates whether you're interested in investing or not. Whereas this, right. we have control over our own content always, which can be good. And it's kind of like the old like, you know, man, I can use a hammer to build something beautiful or to tear something down. And do I just yeah. do I want to use it as a good tool? And yeah. just say, hey, some people don't. They they use it to be yeah. destructive. I, I'm just not going to do. I refuse to do that. But at the same time, it's. I mean, what Ray is saying is true. Some people I they're, I they're, They the way that they invest in things emotionally, um, it's if it's going to produce something negative in them, that's then controlling aspects of their life um, that that turn into to negativity and spiritual harm. They, I mean, they, they gotta. They got a bail on it, you know, for sure. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. Why yeah,
2: you, that's, just, that's why you got off years ago, basically, right, Ted? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just seeing that, like, I couldn't be on it without sinning consistently, that's a pretty good reason to hop from anything, yeah. I think. Yeah. And, um, I, and, yeah, just kind of more broadly the, the I guess, emotional toll that it takes. Yeah. One,
1: one thing... It, I don't know that it's straight pushback against the is it a product that sucks, uh, but it yeah. maybe a modification of it. Like we we talked last episode, mm. uh, Ted about sort of why if there are so many books and so many writers and so many bad books and like it's just sort of a flooded market. Why do we keep writing? I think yeah. that conversation actually applies to Twitter, kind of effectively. Like it is it is a yeah. product that allows for a lot of sucky things to happen. But yeah. it's also a product that provides an avenue for a lot of great things to happen, and and you get to choose to a great degree how you interact with it. Now I realize that algorithms and suggested posts and there's just sort of a volume that sucks you into things. You know, you can't ignore certain yeah. trending things, even if you really want to, and so forth. But yeah, it's. It's not that different than like you look at the publishing industry. If you go look at the best selling Kindle books right now, the vast majority of them are utter trash, like basically verbal porn, you know what they call romance novels, Mm. but really just like, they're just sex books. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's utter garbage. It's so it's such, which, which equates to much of Twitter but then also, yeah. like you can go find Tim Keller's books for four ninety nine, and you can discover new authors, and you can you know you can get your hands on classics, and like there's there's so much good there too, and it's you know people can self publish, and there there there's a there's a way for for people to to get good material into the world. Yeah. So in in a lot of ways, Twitter is I think more like more like that than it is just like this product stinks. And so yeah, I, I think I think I'm with Ronnie on that, where he. The ESPN shows that you look at, you're like, this is trash. Yeah, they created a product. The product is trash. Twitter is more of a medium than a product. Now, there's there's yeah. slant to it, but it, it, it leans more that way.
2: No, that's a, that's a good word and a good distinction. And I, I think for me, it comes down to, you know, I, I was an only child. And as a result of growing up in the 80s and 90s as an only child, like, my life just wasn't noisy. It was never noisy. It was only as loud as I wanted to make it. Um, and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all these platforms, TikTok, like they just contribute to me to like the noise of life. And you know, I I think to your point, Pipe, and to your point too, Ron. Like it comes back. It comes down to like what we what we look at and what we value as good, right? And if I value the three lines from Ray Ortland that I'm getting on Twitter as worth the sort of cost of being on it, then I then I would stay on it, right? Um, but if I can grab a book or, I don't know, like, like I like watching Pipe, I like watching offensive line cut-ups, right? Yeah. So if I want to watch 50 plays in a row of some guard – you know, I, I could get that from, like, Duke Mannyweather on Twitter, or I could just, you know, spend 35 more seconds looking for it on YouTube and get it that way. Like, I guess, to me, it's worth the 35 more seconds. But, you know, this is this is a to each their own kind of thing. And do do you guys think, this is a question, and either of you can jump in on it, do you think there's any particular reason why, like, right now, there seem to be more Christians getting off of it? Like what's the, what's unique about this moment as opposed to two years ago? Uh, I think, I think exhaustion is one thing just, you know, I I would mm-hmm.
1: say starting in 2016, you know, that presidential election ended in all of the fallout of it because that was divisive in the church. Mm-hmm. It was divisive politically. It, it brought to the surface a bunch of stuff that had sort of been latent in terms of, people's political idolatries on both sides. You know, I'm not I'm not throwing stones at one party yeah. or another. Or I correct that. I'm throwing stones at all parties. Um
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: and uh but I'd say in the what are we at now? Six years since then, there has just been I'd say what feels like an exponential growth in uh divisiveness, volatility, polarization, you know, so and a complete devolving of like decent rhetoric and decent interaction. Mm-hmm. So when somebody disagrees with you, it, the, the response now tends to be like insulting, aggressive, something where you, you you basically, or like a retweet where you try to dunk on them kind of thing. And so it, right. if you want to be a decent Christian person who interacts well with other people, Twitter has become a place where you just constantly feel like you're playing defense unless you yeah. use it more like, like what Ronnie was describing where it's like you kind of have a narrow lane. You stay in it. You're not here for all of the, the interactions with uh, in terms of like debates, you, you know, friendly interactions, jokes, things like that. That's more or less how I use it now. And so, yeah, yeah. I think more Christians are getting off because they look around and they go, this is, this is fruitless. It's exhausting it exacerbates the worst things about how people view christians and and uh i can have a reasonable conversation with a neighbor who i disagree with i can't have a reasonable conversation with anybody on twitter that that kind of i think Mm. that's kind of the this the sense of things what do you think ron
2: yeah
0: yeah no i i agree with all that yeah i think uh I mean, that, yeah, that's, I, I think, you know, and by nature, I think that there is a large segment of, of the, pe- the, pe- the kind of people that are on Twitter, it feels like 10, there's a sense of, they're argumentative by nature. You know, there's a lot of Christians that are very passionate about particular kinds of issues and topics, and they like debate and they, they, um, they kind of like going at each other. They, that you know, they're coming from uh, like what you said, T. I mean, you grew up in a really quiet household. Um, you didn't really, you didn't have the opportunity to engage in those kinds of ways. And I think based on the way people have, you know, how they've grown up, their family of origin, and you know, just kind of how they move through life, a lot of people they they love debate and they love argumentation. And by that, I mean they don't they don't love it very much. So they mm-hmm. they also have a hard time resisting any kind of any form of disagreement you know and so i think that there's an inability to um to just say hey it's okay if you feel differently and think differently um about this um but there's also that it's discernment right at the end of the day it's it's like hey it's it's okay if this person's passionate about something that's not in line with my passions and what am i going to do am i am i going to try to convince somebody on this on on this particular format i mean i'm not but it also might stir up something in me that i can't resist yeah and so uh, you know i man the the thing the thing is layered right it's it's complex mm-hmm. and i also think that depending on the like what piper just said uh depending on the the kinds of of things that you're interested in tweeting i mean some people tweet things that are so obviously going to stir Arguments and and yet at the same time there's sort of this I can't believe this is caught co- I can't believe this is stirring things up and it's like but you yeah. just you just said one of the stirriest things I've ever read in right. my life like right. you know what you're doing is what I would yeah. say there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of like a uh, there's a lot of dishonesty with that and there's a yeah. lot of there's a lack of there's a lack of genuineness because in a sense people. You know, they're tweeting something they know is going to stir the pot. And then they do they do this almost reversey gas lady thing where they say, and I'm so surprised this stirred the pot. You know, well, it's, so there's uh, yeah. a lot of disingenuineness, I think, you know, it's the
2: rhetorical like dance steps that you have to sort of go through after you say something controversial. So as not to appear as the person who said something controversial. Correct. Uh, yes, boys, correct. let's take a break. And when we come back, I got two more quick questions about this. All right, we're back. Um, we, when you were talking, Ron, you said something that that was interesting to me on the level of... So when I get up in the morning, uh, and this is dumb. This is just like a morning routine thing. I always read my Bible and pray with KK, which is lovely. But before that, like... I opened. Oh, thought my you were going to say that was the dumb part of your morning. I'm like, I don't know, Ted, do we
1: need to have a talk?
2: No, 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 no. That's the good <laughs> part. The dumb part is this. Um, I, I really like eBay. And at any given time, I've got like a whole bunch of crap that I'm just following and looking at the prices of. And I open my phone up and I use it as a sort of low level form of stimulation. You know what I mean? Like it's something to look at for five minutes while I'm, you know, groggy in the morning and waiting for the coffee to brew or whatever. Uh and and I think to your point, Ronald, a lot of people use Twitter in the same way. Like mm. if you're just moving through life and you're looking to be stimulated in any form or fashion, I think Twitter is where a lot of people get that. And for a lot of people there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of discernment between I'm stimulated because I'm mad or I'm stimulated because I just bought something or I'm stimulated sexually or whatever. It's just like they're trying to move the needle at all. And I think a lot of people use Twitter that way. But my question to you guys is, A, does that theory, like, does that resonate at all? And B, I, I, I always like to think of a world... 20 25 years ago where let's say even pre internet so let's say like it's 1992 and you wake up in the morning how are you sort of getting that you know what i mean or and and moreover like how are you doing discourse in 1992 like if you if you wake up in the morning and you want to have an argument or you want to just go you know six rounds with somebody on, on something like, where is that happening in a pre-internet world? And is it better that that wasn't happening as often? I'm really, I, I, of I think about that. I think about that
0: all the time T honestly, yeah. I, Me and me and big M we have like combos about that. Like what, like what did, I mean, you can take it even further. What did we do before we even had these devices? Right. Sure. Before we even like grabbed a cell phone. Right. Yeah, that's right. So you and, wake up in um, the morning
2: in 1992 you're not grabbing the cell phone you're yeah, not grabbing baby.
0: anything yeah you're grabbing coffee and and breakfast you know and yeah. like you're 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 having a conversation or you're not you're looking at the back of a cereal box and reading the ingredients <laughs> yes you know what I that's mean? That, right dude that's what you're doing at that time but yeah i don't know it's such because this i mean this is a larger conversation in the sense that okay forget about twitter or instagram or facebook or tiktok or any of those mediums but Like what, what about the whole idea of just, you know, our phone addictions and like, what's that? So in other words, you can argue that, well, Twitter is doing something, Twitter is doing something harmful, but if you just focus out a little bit, like what are, Mm -hmm. it's not just Twitter, right? There's, there's a thousand other things that we do with our phones that keep us married to something Mm -hmm. that is producing all kinds of things inside of us that, you know, I'm guessing 15, 20, 20 minutes from now, whatever, we're going to look back on and go, Gosh, I, I wonder what my life might have looked like had this thing not been sort of inserted in there at this point in time. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what all that is because there, there are some good things that have come out of it, but there's are also a level of distraction and a level of um, kind of what you're describing, T, where it's like, hey, d- do I have the ability to concentrate and think clearly and focus? Or I, but I just have this pacifier called my phone in the internet that I constantly am self-medicating with, like at any minute of any part of the day. So it's not just Twitter, right? It's like for you, your Twitter is eBay, right? Um, and for somebody else, their eBay is TikTok or, you know, or, or it's Mm -hmm. Amazon or whatever Amazon, you know, all, whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. it's, it, the the conversation is, it's, it's deep. I think it's really deep. No, it is I, and it
2: and it and it
1: kind of speaks to go ahead pipe I think there's an amplifying factor though i i agree with I agree with what Ronnie said. I think that the the kind of the the banner issue is yeah the constant need for stimulation, addiction to our phones whatever there is a big difference though I think, between what Twitter does to us and what eBay does to us, so you know you, we have the we have the fundamental same problem of like I wake up and I need sort of the the hit i need to take a hit it's you know i i know people who roll out of bed in the morning and they're like i gotta get a cigarette so they step outside on their deck no matter the temperature and they like this is our this is our morning cigarette basically um yeah but what twitter does social media in general is it demands that we care about things we otherwise wouldn't be aware of you know uh, there is a, like you get on Twitter and you're like, I didn't know this was a political issue. I didn't know this was a global issue. I didn't know this was a societal issue. I didn't know, <laughs> you know, that, that Christians must feel this way about it or that people I respect are in disagree. And so all of a sudden our minds are flooded with sort of a, um, there's, there's a, there's so much input about stuff that we must have strong feelings about. Whereas, like, so, 1992, yeah. Russia invades Ukraine. Let's say the, the exact same thing that happens now happens then. Mm-hmm. What you have is whatever the international uh, columnists have put in the newspaper, or what you're hearing on right. news radio, or on the 6 p.m. news. 5:30 is local news. 6 p.m. is 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 you know national and international news. And so you're getting news bulletins, and that's mm-hmm. it. Right now you're getting real time updates, you're getting opinions, you're getting people who are mad that we're not doing more, we're getting people who are proud we're doing so much. And so, and that's just one example. The the pending uh reversal of Roe versus Wade. Boom, that's a huge thing. You get you know, abuse in church, you get all these things. I'm obliged now to have opinions, to have strong feelings to to, to engage all this stuff. That's the thing that Twitter does that like just the stimulation hit of like, I'm going to play Wordle in the morning or I'm going to look at eBay or, you know, even browse mm-hmm. Instagram and just see video reels and whatever. Those are those are consumeristic, not like guilt and anxiety inducing in the same way.
2: Yeah, that's really good. That's an important distinction. And more and more as we talk about this, I'm I'm kind of invited to think through what does an elegant, good life look like, and more and more, to your point pipe i think i'm I'm drawn to people who are really discerning in terms of what they choose to care about, and I actually am drawn to people who care about very few things, but the things that they do care about the care is very genuine, it's not performative. And I think to your 1992 example, you know, we woke up in the morning and we began to think about the things that were the closest to us in the sense of, you know, for me, I was a sophomore in high school in 1992. So I care about my parents. I care about the girl that I like currently. I care about my three best friends, you know, in the, the the kind of circle of caring. I care about my sport. You know, I, I, I want to get better at that or whatever. Um, but it was a real kind of snug bullseye of really realistic, really attainable, really kind of normal things to care about. And in 1992, if I'm going to high school, nobody's like, Hey, why don't you have a, I stand with Ukraine patch on your backpack? You know, like, because to your point, that's a six o'clock news thing. And, Nobody in Blackford County cares about that, which is not to say that they're callous people. They're just sort of caring about the things that are closest at hand. And more and more, I think there's something about that that kind of speaks to an elegant, quiet, good life to me. And that idea is at odds with, you know... a 500 updates on the Johnny Depp trial and you know, the Ukraine thing and you know, all this crap that I'm sort of now required to have an opinion about, but my opinion does not matter. Like in no way does it matter on any of those matters. And yet we, I, I think part of the allure, part of the kind of seduction of Twitter is the fake sense of my opinion does matter because I have X number of followers. Um, and, and I think that's and, fundamentally. And there's like a change. there's a threshold of care you have to achieve.
1: So like, it used to be that I think people had the ability in their minds to be aware of a like a global conflict and 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 at some level care deeply about that, but care in kind of a detached way. Kind of for a Christian, yeah. it was more like, Lord, we pray for what's happening in Ukraine. It's in your hands. And right. and that was kind of the extent of it. And so. But now it's like, if you come back and you kind of shrug and you're like, man, it's a huge deal. I pray about it. People are like, that's not good enough. You have not achieved the threshold <laughs> of, of care. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's, yeah. if you want to know why people are leaving Twitter, I think, I think that's a big piece of it. You're just kind of like, I can't care about everything. Some of this I objectively don't need to. Mm-hmm. Johnny Depp's divorce trial is of no interest to me. <laughs> and, yet, and yet it's right. in my face. Daily
2: yeah so I quit. And you can't even really leverage it, you know, like they're both white, they're both celebrities, like there's really no i mean if you're if you're on the far left or the far right, there's no kind of elegant way to leverage it and make yourself look better i mean it's oh, the oh it's do, the very definition of underestimate the thing.
1: ability of people to turn this into an issue of abuse, an issue of alcoholism, an issue of uh oh, you know yeah. f- feminists versus whatever, like whose side are we on. all of that like it's you can leverage anything if if you fake care enough
2: well and i think i think that's the grossest thing about it to me and again if we're using 1992 as the sort of um analog to this i guess like i wasn't moving about my day in 1992 thinking how can i make this about me and yet, I, th- I think baked into Twitter is the ethic of I take a thing, I hold it up, I examine it, and I go, how can I make this about me in any way, shape, or form? And if there's any way to do that, I'm probably doing it. Whereas in 1992, there were just way fewer of those things. Um, you know, if you're spending seven hours of your day at high school, um, you know, you're having a lunch, you're going to classes, you're making stuff about you in the sense that, you know, you're in high school, so you're self-centered. But, like, Twitter has taken being self-centered to a, a whole new level of, you know, I, I'm I'm now getting these global things thrown at me that I can immediately leverage. And I think that's a very gross thing.
0: Yeah, All right, it's, boys, let's take
2: it's, a break. Oh, go ahead no go ahead man i was gonna say that that
1: that leveraging thing is i think that that's probably another one of the biggest differences between the sort of phone addiction stimulation and social media because when you post something on social media even a good-hearted thing a humble thing there is the immediate stimulation and titillation of response reposting sharing liking replying and so even if you're not trying to platform you're drawn into the temptation to platform even with the the best heart and the best content and that's setting aside just the like yeah the, the sort of call it uh uh mercenary desire to like platform yourself over every issue so i mean if you're sharing you know, when Ronnie puts out one of his thoughtful pastoral kind of Yoda tweets, that temptation is still there to be like, oh, man, this one got twice as many retweets as the last one. Even if you're not even if you're not looking for it, you can't help but sort of feel it. There's just a little bit of that stimulation. Yeah, there. it's a drug, man, in, in its own right.
2: No, I, I think you're right. And I think that's probably without reading Ray Ortland's blog post, that's that's probably why he stepped away Because even the best hearted person, right? So if we could identify who do we know in our life who has the purest motives, pure as the driven snow, (laughs) um, that person is going to be tempted in the ways that you just laid out pipe. And even the best person, you know, you're, you're going to be tempted to look at which tweets did better. And then you're going to kind of mold and shape your, your, you know, future tweets in the same way. I don't know. It's, I'm already gross enough in that way. You know what I mean? I'm already a people pleaser enough. I'm already sort of self-centered enough. Um, It just seems untenable. Like it'd be really hard to do. Uh, Let's take a break boys. And then we're going to come back and talk about our summers. All right, we're back. Um, Let's go a couple minutes on what we're doing this summer. Just uh, catching up with each other, catching up about our lives um ronald this was your idea so i want to start with you what is what does the summer look like for oh, big man. r
0: yeah um yeah i thought it'd be good just to catch up the uh, listeners on, on what we got going on mm-hmm. and uh yeah uh man not much um i'm 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 all done with all my my uh my classes at midwestern so i'm i'm just diving into uh my dissertation Okay. And so I mean I'm doing other stuff this summer but that'll probably be kind of the main focus is getting through uh first few chapters of that whole mess yeah. and um take getting some getting some downtime in July to sort of attack it. Yeah. And uh try to have it wrapped up by the end of the year. And uh so that that'll be the big horrible boring I yeah. don't even want to talk about it for four more seconds. Uh, yeah of my will, summer and, will you be uh, taking any writing
1: yeah. retreats this is a this is an important I will. question
0: yeah actually uh i will be in california in july uh and getting some downtime there and uh yeah writing away so wow it's gonna be cool so
2: i'm gonna sound like a real dummy when i ask this question but humor me i'm gonna make you talk about it for four more seconds how how long does it have to be you know what I mean? like in the pantheon of dissertations, Dude, yeah, what's that, the range yeah. of outcomes? like um, how short could it be? How long could it be
0: i uh, so I've asked that question to ten <laughs> different people ten different ways, and um, yeah. because i because I'm the guy where if they say something has to be forty thousand words, I'm literally at like thirty nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine like i don't <laughs>
2: you 're calling don 't it good yeah
0: i don 't do one more letter than is necessary, kind of a thing yeah. so yeah, so the weird thing with that is the whole thing has to be it's six chapters, and so you follow like a template, like a format of it,, yeah. and everything has to be a minimum amount of pages slash words uh-huh. and so um for this thing i 'm doing, I think it 's going to clock in. Right around 120 pages, which is like the minimum okay. it needs to be. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it's not bad. So it, it's going to be like writing a like a short book,
2: is yeah. what it is. All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, but it's very doable. I
0: mean, it's, it's research or it's get, you know, it got to be footnoted mm-hmm. to death. And mm-hmm. that's where I'm, that's where I'm not, I'm not very good at that at all. I, because yeah. I don't like research and all that yeah. stuff. So, what's hard about it is I can't make anything up, which is like how I like to write. And yeah. everything has to be, Everything has to be backed by somebody else's opinion and research on it. And that's like the worst
2: possible space for me in the world. So it's going to be a slog. It's going to be. Can I ask you another question? And man, this is like these questions are sort of this could be its own episode, I think. But I think I, I was talking with a student the other day and she's one of my best students. She's really smart um about to graduate and we and she was conveying this sense of burnout like the school burnout oh man and i think we identified why we both kind of hated school so much and it's because you're writing a paper and there's no actual market for the paper there's no audience for the paper except one guy or a committee in your case and I, I think I was always at odds with writing something that didn't have a real market. And I always really chafed against that and hated it and did badly at it. But then the, the very minute that I could write something that could have a real audience, I became really yeah. good at it. Yeah. Um, it would be very hard for me to go back to writing a no audience thing. Is this part of your makeup and is this part of why school is hard for you? I mean, dude, I mean, T, you you could
0: not have said it better. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like the reason why I do anything I do, or at least part of the reason, is because I want it to be to the benefit and enjoyment of the people that are going to be able to right. read it or listen to it or whatever the medium is. And yeah. so that's 100% what it is, is that you're doing this in a vacuum. Yeah. And although, like, you know, you're doing a lot of work that you can maybe pull from and you can use it for things down the line, like especially with the things that we do, whether it's like maybe it's material for a book or for speaking yeah. or a sermon or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, what you just said is so true. Um, you're just creating this thing that needs to hit particular kinds of marks so that yeah. it passes and it gets graded and you kind of get the degree that you've been working towards to get. So that is, that is, that is horrible inspiration for me, man. Yeah, it I mean, really is. That is the but- worst kind of inspiration for me. And that's why, that's why it's such a slog for me because I yeah. don't enjoy that. I'm not an academic uh in by nature anyway. So just doing research for the sake of learning something, it's it's that yeah. is not enough inspiration for me ever. That's so, not yeah, how God I, wired me. Not have make one
2: it more, that way. I have one more question about it, and Pipe, you can weigh in on this one too. Like then if if that's the case, and I totally agree with you, Ronald, like we are wired the same way in that way, but like why do academics get so delighted with it? You know what I mean? Like they love talking about their dissertation, they love doing it, and it's like they, they know they have to know in their heart of hearts, no one's going to read this or care about it. Why do they get so delighted? I, I really <laughs> want to know. I'm not trying to like uh, be, be a, a jerk with that question. Like I, I really would like to understand it.
0: I think they just I don't know to, what I've understood with, the, with my colleagues so I'm going to use the big mm-hmm. word now, boys my classmates, <laughs> the yeah. ones that like they wake up in the morning. And they're, I mean, they're not on Twitter and they're not reading the back of a cereal box. I mean, they're like already working on their <laughs> dissertation. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think there's, there's a level of like learning, acquiring knowledge and research that they, that's intrinsic in them. They just enjoy mm-hmm. that type of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my only explanation. I mean, we can get all funny and call them nerds and all this like we yeah. do. But I, I just I, think they enjoy that type of learning. And I, that's just not my style of learning. I think, I think it's mm-hmm. what it is. I, I might change the verb there from learning to collecting.
1: You know, like you got stamp collectors. Mm. Well, that, that works too. You got, you got yeah. people who collect memorabilia. Like I think for them, learning is, is like collecting artifacts. And just having them mm. as the thrill walking into the room where all this stuff is stored, in this case, their brains or their libraries, is just sort of like, "Oh man, this is such cool stuff that i've collected that's what i've figured i mean th- mm. that's that's the closest I've been able to get to figuring it out because yeah to me there's i'm I'm going to enroll in seminary this summer too, and it's like there's a pit in my stomach about it, in all honesty, like it is a mm. I, I, it took me a long time to get to the place where I could find a program that I was like, this doesn't feel like a total waste of time because I'm not a knowledge mm-hmm. collector at this point. I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm f- almost 40 years old. I have two kids. I work in a ministry. Like everything that I give my time to needs to matter for some reason. Collecting things doesn't matter to me. Yeah. To some people collecting Okay. This is, like, is... precious.
2: Yeah. This is fascinating and insightful. That's, that's really good. So, um you're starting seminary in the summer. Ronald is currently in seminary. I'm going to have to take you boys like school clothes shopping. We're going to have to go to I, Marshall's. I didn't know like, that, man. It, in it like July, in, I'm going to I'm going to buy you guys some new outfits, some new backpacks. Um, you know, get you ready for school. So, <laughs> Pipe, are you are you going to the same school as Ronald? Are you guys going to be in classes together like like i I'm out. I'm done with classes, other?
0: boy. I, there's no more classwork for me. I I'm, I can't be in oh, with wow. anybody anymore. I'm done.
2: That's big, dude. That's, that's really big. Pipe, where are you going to school? No, I'm, uh,
1: I'm planning to enroll at, it's a, it's a relatively new school. It's called Grimke Seminary. Um, oh, nice. It's, nice man. Uh, I love it. It's associated with Acts 29, which, which our church is part of, and it's aimed at, they only accept people who are currently actively serving in, in full-time ministry or vocational ministry, so they need pastoral recommendation, recommendation from elders, whoever, like the church leaders to basically like, yes, this person serves here. So that was the first big appeal to me was I'm mm. going to go to school with other people who are doing the same thing I'm doing, not a bunch of 24 year olds yeah. in their tweed coats trying to look like academics and impress a professor. The, everybody, <laughs> as, from my understanding, everybody who's there is there because they, it has value to them in what they're doing which I need that. I cannot sit in the room and hack it for three years with uh, people 15 years younger than me who are there for entirely different purposes with their sort of intellect measuring contests. And uh, so that was a big piece of it. The other piece is it's not a, it's, I mean, so it's, they're trying to attach all of their, uh, their, you know, scholarly efforts to church and ministry development not academic mm. papers and you know th- th- that's there but it's that's not the aim the aim is not high academic yeah. achievement it is will you be a better pastor when you leave in whatever context you're in all of that was much more appealing to me it's more kind of cohort based so you go in i think a couple times a semester for 3 days hours of lectures and then you just go home and do the work and that rhythm sounded yeah. appealing so that's kind of the whole gist of it for me i it, it I'm excited about what it is compared to other schools and I still have a pit in my stomach because I, I finished college in end of 2004 and I haven't looked back and I've never thought, man, I, <laughs> I wish I could go sit in a tiny desk and be lectured at again. So I
2: still have that feeling yeah. in me. Mm. Yeah. Man, Always a little nervous that. on the first day of school, but uh, mm. where, where is Grimke? Do you get to travel to someplace cool to do it? Uh,
1: Richmond, Virginia. So I don't know if Richmond's oh, nice. cool. I, there you go. I, I've heard nice things.
0: Richmond yeah. is cool pipe. You're going to like it. It's, it's cool. It's fun.
2: Yeah. At least it's not, you know, a lot of places that it could be. So, um, yeah, I think, I think <laughs> At least good, it's not
1: pipe. Kansas city is what you meant to say.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had it in my mouth and then I was like, oh, all, all our listeners in Kansas city. I don't want to, I don't want to burn bridges up there. You know, all those good people. But, uh, what are what are your summer plans, Ted? Man, yeah. So I'm not going to seminary, um, which <laughs> I guess is the big, you know, the big kind of pivot. Baby, um, it's not too
0: late. It's no, not, it's well, not no, too late. I know. Yeah.
2: I mean, you you really got me thinking here, man. I may have to research some seminaries in in my off time today. But uh, no, I'm actually I'm going to Vegas in a couple of weeks. Um, we went to Vegas last year. It's a lot. Like we had seminary. such a good time. I mean, we took what the was boys. was a year ago. Was that? Yeah, it's very similar to seminary, you know. Um, So, yeah, we're heading back to Vegas, just me and Double K this time. So, uh, can't wait. That's going to be a a fun week. To That's kind of our retreat. That's our Harbor Network retreat, and it's just the two of us. So, uh, that'll be good. And then we're doing our Michigan trip later in the summer. I get to go back to Camp Baracal. Shout out, Camp Baracal. Uh, Tristan is counseling there all summer, so he'll be there all summer. We'll be there for a couple of weeks um, really looking forward to that. So just kind of some of the usual stuff. Uh, I'm teaching at a journalism institute at the end of the summer, right before school starts. So, wow, nice. uh, excited about that too. So yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a good one, Lord willing. Um, you know we're we're looking forward to it. But boys, we uh, I've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, this has been a really good one. The the Twitter thing is fascinating to me. Anything that touches on like cultural anthropology and like how and why we do things um is always really interesting to me so that was uh that was good good to hear about your your school endeavors as well and uh we've done what we always do on this program boys in that we've wandered to and fro throughout these topics and others and until next time
1: We want to take a moment to thank the team at Life Audio for partnering with us on this podcast. Be sure to go to lifeaudio.com and take a look at the other podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more.
0: Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice, host of the How to Study the Bible podcast, where every single week we join together to encounter God through His Word. You can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.